Welcome to the Insomnia Coach Podcast. My name is Martin Reed. I believe that by changing how we respond to insomnia and all the difficult thoughts and feelings that come with it, we can move away from struggling with insomnia and toward living the life we want to live. The content of this podcast is provided for informational and educational purposes only. It's not medical advice and is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, disorder, or medical condition. It should never replace any advice given to you by your physician or any other licensed healthcare provider. Insomnia Coach LLC offers coaching services only and does not provide therapy, counseling, medical advice, or medical treatment. The statements and opinions expressed by guests are their own and are not necessarily endorsed by Insomnia Coach LLC. All content is provided as is and without warranties, either express or implied. Like many people with chronic insomnia, Eric found that the more he tried to make sleep happen, the more difficult it became. Although he didn't have any real issues falling asleep, he would regularly wake during the night and find it hard to fall back to sleep. His mind would start racing and he would experience a lot of anxiety. Eric found himself getting obsessed with sleep. He was thinking about it all the time and no matter how hard he tried to relax and no matter what he tried, things just didn't improve. When we started working together, one of the first changes Eric made was to reduce the amount of time he allotted for sleep to more closely match the amount of sleep he was getting at the time. This allowed him to rediscover the sensation of sleepiness rather than fatigue, and that proved to be both reassuring and motivating. Eric also started to respond to nighttime wakefulness in a more workable way. Instead of tossing and turning all night, trying to make sleep happen and trying to relax, he decided to draw instead. This helped make wakefulness a bit more pleasant and helped train his brain that wakefulness wasn't a threat that it needed to be alert at night to protect him from. Finally, Eric committed to doing things that mattered to him, to live the kind of life he wanted to live, independently of sleep. Eric experienced rapid improvements in his sleep as he changed his response to insomnia and all the difficult thoughts and feelings that come with it. He no longer takes sleeping pills, and today... More than one and a half years after we worked together, Eric is no longer engaged in a daily and nightly battle with his mind, and he continues to sleep well. A full transcript of this podcast and an accompanying video can be found at insomniacoach.com forward slash podcast. So, Eric, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come onto the podcast. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to have you on. I'm really looking forward to everything that we're going to end up talking about today. So let's just 
start right at the beginning. Can you tell us a little bit more about um, when your sleep problems first began and what you think may have initially triggered that sleep disruption? It was the uh, spring of 2020. Um, so this is like, you know, when the beginning of the COVID hysteria and stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I think I had some anxiety, um, like some health anxiety. I, you know, I tried not to get caught up in all that stuff, but yeah, I think, um, I don't know. I, I kind of have a, have a tendency to be a little bit of a hypochondriac anyway, so that probably didn't help. And uh, yeah, I remember it was starting to um, interfere with my sleep. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, wasn't sure what was going on. I remember talking to my doctor about it and, uh, yeah, at some point I started focusing more on the sleep, I guess. Cause I just was like, ah, I gotta get some sleep. Like this is ridiculous. And, uh, and once I started worrying about that all the time, then it just got worse. And like the harder I tried like the worst I got, you know, yeah. it seems like, you know, once you start going down that path, you know, just like kind of like it's a snowball effect or something. It just gets worse, you know, like the harder you try. Yeah. So, so do you feel it was all that kind of stress, worry, anxiety related to the pandemic that triggered that initial sleep disruption? Yeah, I mean, something like that. I mean, I I remember um, someone that I knew had recently passed away suddenly, and I I think I had that on my mind too. Um, but yeah, I think that was more or less how it got started. Yeah. And so, what was that sleep disruption like for you? Is it you know, just at a basic level, was it difficulty falling asleep or was it kind of staying asleep once you first fell asleep or well, maybe, maybe it was a bit of both of those things? I think, yeah, I don't, I think I um, was okay with falling asleep, but uh, yeah, I would always wake up in the middle of the night and um, yeah, then that's when it would, that's when it would start to get weird, you know? Um, I, yeah, like... Uh, I think later on, maybe it was a little of both, but but initially, yeah, it was more more an issue with you know sleep maintenance. Yeah. So when you when you fell asleep and you woke up and then you found it hard to fall back to sleep, um, why do you think that that was the case? Like, was there like loads of stuff just racing through your mind, or did it just seem to be like no no obvious cause for what was going on? Yeah, there was, I definitely, yeah, I remember just, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff in my mind and, and, you know, like, uh, just remember feeling weird, you know, because, uh, like I said, um, you know, it's kind of a hypochondriac. And so, you know, anything, if I just felt sick or at all, I would just, you know, start imagining things and I'm like, I don't know what you know, am I going to, you know, like what's, what's wrong with me, you know? And then, um, I remember, oh, I remember like getting the chills, like for some reason, like, um, and then, uh, just like having this like weird 
breathing issue or something just like weird stuff like that but i think i was just having an like anxiety like a anxiety attack you know and then yeah like uh that's that's when i just you know be up for sometimes hours you know just trying to relax and so what about your days were you finding that there was any kind of knock-on effect on your days um related to all this struggle with with sleep and all that wakefulness during the night yeah once it became an ongoing issue um yeah i mean in some ways it, it seems like the days were worse than the nights because i would i just be thinking about it all the time you know i became obsessed with it which i think is uh you know happens to people with chronic insomnia you know you become kind of OCD about all this stuff and um yeah I mean if and this is I know something that you talk about a lot is like the way you react to insomnia you know really has a a big effect on you know it whether or not it becomes a chronic problem and uh yeah that was I definitely didn't respond well to it yeah so I'm guessing that like every other human being on the planet, you've, you've experienced some difficult nights from time to time before this longer term struggle with sleep. Um, when, when you were going through this, you know, when you first experienced that sleep disruption, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but my guess is you at first, you're just like, well, it's probably, there's probably the reason why I'm struggling is because everything that's going on right now. Um, normal, this has happened before. But when did you get to that point where you started to think, hmm, this is, why is this sticking around? Like this is different this time around. There's something unique or there's something, this feels different. You know, why is this sleep issue sticking around? What, when did that happen and why do you think that was? Yeah, I, for some reason, I just became really focused on it and it seemed like the more attention that I gave to it, then the worse it got, you know, if I would have just blown it off and didn't worry about it, I probably would have been fine, you know, but, uh, mm. yeah, no, I really, uh, became you know, like determined to overcome this. And then, you know, I think, yeah, the harder I tried, uh, the worse it got. Yeah. Was it kind of like, Within just was it just like after those first couple of nights that you started to really like get more concerned and look for solutions or like I'm just curious how long this sleep disruption was going on for before you figured out well there's something a little bit different going on this time around and that's when all that you know extra attention all the extra focus happened yeah maybe maybe a couple weeks something like that mm -hmm. um uh yeah, I don't know. I remember because, um, you know, at that time, I, I really didn't know much about sleep. I, you know, so I just remember thinking, like, you know, what what happens? You know, like, is this, can this just, like, keep going on until I just collapse or something? Like, I didn't know, you know, what, what to expect. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. Just... Um, yeah, I just worried about it a lot, you know, which just made it worse, of course. So 
what kind of things I'm curious to hear what kind of things you'd you tried in response. So, you know, this, this sleep issue stuck around for a couple of weeks and that's when we start to think, okay, that we got to fix this problem now, you know, so we're completely understandably going to put more attention on, um, on our sleep. Um, you know, those of us who have made this journey and have put the insomnia behind us can recognize that it is a, a lot of that attention that we give the gives insomnia is often what feeds it, what gives it that that uh, oxygen that it needs to survive but when we're caught up in a struggle you know when we're struggling with something it's understandable we want to fix it and part of that fixing process is usually attention and effort but unfortunately sleep just doesn't tend to respond well to those things so i'm just curious to hear what kind of things you you tried initially you know uh, after those couple of weeks um what kind of techniques or things did you try to to improve your situation yeah, I um, I think I tried, you know, like the same stuff that everybody probably tries, um, uh, you know, like tea, you know, like the sleepy time tea and um, like uh, oh, melatonin, um, you know, uh, like the just, you know, because people, you know, like friends, family, coworkers, like everybody's like trying to give me advice and help, you know, but they don't, they don't really know what to do. So, you know, I'm just trying everything that like, everybody's like, Oh, well, yeah, melatonin, that worked for me or, you know, something or essential oils. That was another thing that I tried that, you know, it just, you know, like, um, like the kind you put on your skin or something it's like it's supposed to relax you you know they got something for everything but um yeah oh, and i started seeing a therapist too at one point you know just for like treating anxiety but uh mm -hmm. yeah none, you know it just wasn't uh just wasn't what i needed i guess i'm curious to hear if you found, you know, when you tried all these things, when people are telling you, oh, this worked for me, try this, or maybe you're looking on Dr. Google and Google is suggesting that oh, you try, try this. And then when those things don't work, a lot of the time they can kind of feed that worry and that anxiety and that fear because then you start to perhaps think that there is something like really uniquely wrong with with your sleep because after all if all these things are working for other people why aren't they working for me is that is that something you experience oh yeah i mean i yeah the, the level of uh worry and anxiety about this was just like unbelievable you know i mean i just uh yeah i mean i was just imagining you know like what <laughs> like what's gonna happen to me you know i'm like an be so sleep deprived that I won't even be able to function, you know, I don't know. I just, uh, really was starting to go up the deep end all that. I believe that before we started working together, you, um, did, did you end up getting prescribed some, some uh, sleeping pills or sleep supplements, something like that? Was, um, what, what was that experience like? Did you find that helpful even if only in the short term or? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I got, my doctor gave me a prescription for trazodone, which is a really popular medication for, for sleep. Um, yeah, I remember I didn't like it. At first I was trying to avoid drugs. Um, cause yeah, I just really wanted to, you know, 
didn't want to go down that road. Uh, but <laughs> eventually, I mean, I just got so desperate, you know, um, I, I started with the like over, over the counter stuff, um, like Z quill and stuff. And, uh, and which actually helped for a little while, but you know, once, um, I started having issues again, then like, well, now what do I do? And then, so then I broke down and started taking the trazodone, but even that would only help temporarily. I, I think you mentioned one of the pitfalls that we can experience when we um, take medication or supplements or rely on anything external to our own like sleep sleep mechanisms, uh, so to speak, is that we can experience that kind of short-term relief, which is great and for many people, it can be really helpful. Um, but then if we ever experience like a difficult night when we're using that thing, that external thing, then it can generate this like kind of return, that flood of all that worry and stress and anxiety that, oh, I took that thing that was helping and now that's not even working and it can just create its own fresh set of problems which can be a huge part of the frustration exactly yeah exactly that's i mean yeah you get to a point where you're like well i've tried everything like i don't know what to do now and that's yeah that's not a good feeling so let's um let's move forward a little bit when we when we started to work together um one of the first changes that you made was you know a lot of the stuff that we do when we're working together is behavioral in nature you know because a lot of all the things that we do to try and improve our sleep to try and get rid of that wakefulness um is you know it's completely well intentioned and it even sounds logical a lot of the time but much of the time it can end up actually perpetuating that sleep disruption and one of the common things that we do when we're really trying to chase sleep is we spend more time in bed. You know, we might go to bed earlier or we might stay in bed later. We might try napping during the day. Um, and I think when, when we started working together, um, you're averaging, you know, less than five hours of sleep, but spending about seven hours in bed. So you started to kind of rein that in a little bit and a lot, a little bit less time for sleep. Can you, can you tell us a little bit more about that change that you made? Yeah, I think that was really helpful, actually. Um, that might have been one of the most helpful things, um, now that I think about it. Uh, yeah, I can't, I remember, um, I forget how, what, what my sleep window was when we started working together, but um, yeah, because I, I started noticing an improvement very quickly. I remember that. Yeah, that second week when I started um, implementing the uh, sleep restriction or bedtime restriction, um, I think I started noticing an improvement just, you know, that week and, you know, just wow. got got better from there. You know, first and foremost, I think it's, you know, it's great that you experienced that change so quickly. I think you, of all the clients I've worked with, you are the probably one of the quickest, you know, to notice a, notice a change um, just from implementing that sleep window, you know, just allotting an amount of time for sleep that's a bit closer to, you know, the current reality of the sleep that you were getting at that time. Um, what, why do you feel that that was so helpful and so quickly do you, 
was it just because you noticed, you know, a return of a strong sense of sleepiness rather than it just being exclusively fatigue and grogginess at night? Or like, I'm just curious to hear why you feel that you got those results and what, what changed when you just started to go to bed later? Okay. Let's see. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I remember just, I guess just being genuinely sleepy, you know, instead of, uh, <laughs> trying to, you know, well, cause at that point I was still taking the, um, medication mm-hmm. and, uh, so yeah, I remember, uh, starting to noticing that, you know, the difference between, you know, the feeling you get when you take drugs like that, as opposed to, you know, natural sleep, you know, and, uh, yeah, I remember noticing that pretty early on and, uh, you know, that maybe helped the, um, my anxiety or worry, sleep worry, you know, a little bit there. Another change that you made, you know, a little bit later on whilst we were still working together was um, just a change in how you would respond to nighttime wakefulness, whether it was you'd go to bed and, you know, find it was taking you a long time to fall asleep or if you'd wake during the night and find it really hard to fall asleep. Instead of, you know, forcing yourself to stay in bed, tossing and turning, you know, not feeling good, feeling frustrated, worried, anxious, trying to make sleep happen instead you just kind of thought to yourself all right well i'm awake anyway let's just do something to make being awake a bit more pleasant um can you tell us a little bit more about that process and that change that you made yeah that was um yeah like another thing that was really helpful um because uh, you know, that's one of the issues that I think I'm pretty sure I had was, you know, what you call a conditioned arousal, you know, where I had spent so much time lying in bed, you know, tossing and turning that I uh, had trained my brain to associate the bed with anxiety and frustration instead of, you know, sleep. And one of the things that was um, like a key for me was uh, coming up with a um, an out of bed activity, you know, which is like ideally something quiet and relaxing. Um, and the first thing I thought of was drawing because that's something I do. Uh, uh, so, <laughs> so I started doing that and, um, and I guess the thing that was, uh, really great about that is not only was it something I enjoyed doing. So I didn't mind getting out of bed to do it. And um, also that's another thing I remember that I can't remember if it was from the course or it was like from one of your videos, but um, we talked about um, like quality of sleep, how, you know, as you start to uh, sort of condense your sleep into a, a shorter sleep window, um, there's a tendency for the, um, the quality to improve, like you get more deep sleep. And uh, I started to experience that. And yeah, it wasn't, I mean, again, it happened really relatively quick for me. Uh, you know, I mean, I didn't have to even 
practice that technique very long before it, you know, I just started sleeping and I mean, it just, it got better and better, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think the, the reason I like these two techniques, you know, just allotting an appropriate amount of time for sleep, um, and just making any unpleasant nighttime wakefulness more pleasant is because it really just gets to what insomnia is all about. And it is basically just this strong desire that we have completely understandable desire, but that strong desire to just avoid nighttime wakefulness. You know, we don't want to be awake. We want to be asleep. And the more we kind of crave sleep, the more we want to really avoid being awake at night, the more the brain might think that, our wakefulness must be a threat. You know, it must be this physical danger or a threat that's going to harm us. So I've got to be alert yeah. to protect you from that because my number one job is your brain is to protect you. So when we implement a sleep window, for example, you know, we give ourselves an earliest possible bedtime, a consistent out of bedtime in the morning. We're no longer chasing after sleep by going to bed a lot earlier than we might otherwise, or staying in bed later to try and grab a few few more minutes of sleep or an extra hour or so of sleep. And with the idea of kind of getting out of bed or just doing something else during the night, if the brain kind of learns that not all nighttime wakefulness has to be awfully unpleasant nighttime wakefulness, there are things we can do to make it a bit more pleasant, then that also chips away, you know, at that brain's belief that being awake at night is a threat, is a danger. So we're no longer chasing sleep. We're no longer enduring so much unpleasant nighttime wakefulness. It all kind of helps the brain learn that, oh, okay, maybe this wakefulness, although it's not what we really want, it's not a danger. So I don't have to activate all that, all that fight or flight mechanism to try and protect you from wakefulness, which, you know, we can recognize when the body is activating its fight or flight response, it's probably not going to be good conditions for sleep at that time. Just before I move on, I'm curious to hear if, you know, when we were working together, if there were any other kind of techniques or ways of thinking that you picked on, picked up on that you feel contributed to, you know, being able to move on from insomnia to put all that behind you. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I mentioned this earlier, but um, yeah, one of the things that really resonated with me was, you know, um, something that you talked about as far as uh, the way that we respond to, you know, sleep or insomnia. Uh, yeah, that's just something, you know, because even though I, I sleep very well most of the time, I mean, there's occasionally there's a, you know, an off night. So, you know, that's something I've, I learned is just to not, not worry about it. And, you know, just, it's not a big deal. And I just kind of bounce right back and everything's fine, you know? And I think that's one of the things that maybe um, separates, you know, somebody who just has a bad night's sleep and somebody who, you know, where it becomes a, a continual issue and becomes chronic, you know? Yeah. How, how do we get to that point though? You know, I think many people, many of us can realize that it is 
really that response that might be making things more difficult in our lives you know the the worry the anxiety the frustration the stress how we feel the next day all of that stuff and a lot of us can probably recognize that if we are able to let that go not only will we probably feel better but we'll probably also sleep better but how do we actually get to that point so for me i mean just and this was like from the I think the first thing in the course was like the sleep education, just learning and, you know, how, how sleep works. And I mean, and just the basic stuff, you know, sleep drive, circadian rhythm, uh, was it the arousal system, you know, like just understanding those things and how they all work and kind of, you know, work together. That helped me a lot. Just, just that, just knowing, you know, I don't have to worry like this is going to go on forever. You know, I mean, it, that right there helped uh, relieve a lot of the worry and anxiety for me. I think education is really helpful um, because there are a lot of ideas that we might have about how sleep should be or how it should work um, that really can kind of feed into all our worries and our anxieties about sleep when we are experiencing sleep disruption. Um, I think I think most of all what it helps do is it just eliminates the mystery behind everything you know because when we're struggling we want to know why um, and when we don't know why that's when we kind of end up down the rabbit hole of looking for solutions doing all of that research um, and it can kind of consume us when we kind of lift that veil of mystery and we start to have answers for everything that's going on and we realize that there's no real mystery to it these things are happening understandably predictably and they're all normal um, I think that can just be so helpful. And it sounds like that was what really helps contribute to your, your, that change in your, your own mindset. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It helped me kind of just, uh, see the bigger picture and understand how it all fits together. You know, did you find that when, like when you were kind of caught up in that struggle, were you finding the everything that comes with it, you know, the difficult thoughts, the difficult feelings, the fatigue, all that stuff, were you finding that it was kind of influencing your daytime behaviors, like the kind of activities you might engage in, the things you might plan for, the things you might do? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, in fact, um, I actually had some vacation plans with a, a friend of mine that I canceled because yeah, I was like, I got to deal with this and, you know, do, you know, I, like I'm just, uh, you know, I didn't feel up to it or whatever, but, uh, which was, you know, now I understand that was a complete wrong way to approach things, but, you know, at the time I, you know, I didn't understand. I think, I think it's important to recognize that it's normal and natural that we're going to want to kind of cancel plans or, you know, withdraw from things when we're, when we're dealing with struggle and we're dealing with challenge and dealing with pain. That's normal. Um, mm -hmm. but usually, I mean, sometimes it can be helpful. Sometimes we've got to look, just look out for ourselves and do what's right for us, you know, and that might mean taking a rest day, taking some time off, you know, just, just some self-care, you know, some self-compassion when we're going through struggle. But what can sometimes happen is it just kind of consumes us and we end up just really withdrawing and just moving away from doing all the things that help us live the kind of life we want to live. You know, so something might be really important to us, like socializing with friends. That might be like a really important value for us. 
and we start to cancel those plans or not meet up with friends and isolate ourselves and that doesn't tend to make us sleep better it usually doesn't help us feel better either because we're then living a life that's not aligned with our values we're just not living the kind of life we want to live um, so i think that trying to commit to some kind of behaviors that are aligned with our values even when we're really caught up in a struggle can be helpful they don't have to be huge things you know maybe we're not quite ready for that round the world cruise yet or something or like a one-year backpacking trip around the world <laughs> but maybe maybe we're not even ready to go out to restaurants or bars but maybe instead if for example socializing is important for us maybe we can just pick up the phone and just talk to some friends you know, mm -hmm. just just do some things, even if they're just baby steps that are just aligned with our values so that we're maybe separating our actions a little bit from all the difficult stuff that's going on inside of us. And I think the more we can do that, the more we can separate the difficult thoughts, feelings and emotions from our own actions can be really helpful because then all those thoughts, feelings and emotions they're still there. You know, we can't get rid of them, not over the long term. They're always going to be with us for as long as we're human beings. But maybe they'll have less of an influence over our lives that isn't helpful. You know, an influence that leads to behaviors that aren't going to help us live the kind of life we want to live. How did you approach that? Did you just, were you just, I mean, you know, I just find it interesting because I have some clients that are just like, I'm just going to force myself to live the life as though I got the greatest night of sleep every single day. And others are just oh. like, got to, got to take tiny, teeny baby steps. Um, I'm curious to hear, um, where you are on that. How were you able to go from, you know, canceling plans, withdrawing from the kind of life you want to live to maybe just breaking that? connection between sleep and what you do how what was your process there oh yeah um yeah i guess for me it was um i mean because you know before i i just didn't i didn't realize that you know that avoiding things and canceling things was uh you know i didn't i didn't understand that that was not helpful and um you know probably working against me in a way. So yeah, I guess it was more, you know, more of that learning process and, you know, starting to understand, you know, that, uh, that, you know, doing things that I actually want to do is, uh, you know, good, not a good thing and would actually help me in a way that I didn't realize before. So was it just a case of this is the stuff I used to do? I'm just going to start doing it again. Did you just slowly start integrating the good stuff back into your days? Or was it just a case of right from now on, I'm just not going to allow this to control my actions during the day? Yeah, I think once I started to understand that that's that I that I shouldn't allow those things to, you know, derail my life. then yeah, I just kind of went in the opposite direction yeah and did you find that was difficult at first you know maybe like you're still kind of struggling with sleep and you felt pretty fatigued during the day was it kind of difficult to motivate yourself to do that during the day or was it just as soon as you started to do it you just immediately felt all the better for it 
No, I don't, I don't think it was really difficult. I mean, cause you know, I mean, my whole, uh, way of looking at things changed. So yeah, I mean, it just, it's amazing. Like, you know, when you change your perspective on something, how, how different you can feel about everything. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was really, yeah, just really positive experience actually. Wow. That's great. And so I think it was maybe like a year and a half or so that we, we actually stopped working together. Um, mm-hmm. how, how have things been going since in that like year and a half, in that year and a half, have you found that when we stopped working together, there were maybe your sleep carried on improving or did it kind of stay about the same? Um, what have things been like for you over that time? Oh yeah. Over time, it just, sleep just got better and better. Yeah. I mean, gradually, but yeah, definitely, you know, uh, just kept improving for quite a while. It, it, It just gradually got better and better. I'm always curious to hear just because, you know, some clients, they make progress really quickly, you know, just within the first couple of weeks, they notice really positive improvements. Um, Some clients takes a little bit longer. Um, Some clients, they don't really notice much improvement at all, but then they Hmm. somehow get this light bulb moment or they make some kind of breakthrough after we're no longer working together because they're, they're carrying on practicing what they've been learning. You know, and it is a process. And for some people, it takes us longer. Some people, the process isn't quite as quite as long. Um, but the the reason why I love all this stuff that we talk about on the podcast is that really it's skills based. It's about learning new ways of thinking, um, about exploring our relationship with our thoughts and our emotions, um, and it's about it. It's about implementing behaviors that are gonna help set the stage for sleep and help us just move toward the kind of life you want to live independently of sleep. And these are all things that we can control. You know, they're all actions. They're all skills. So they're with us for life, and I think they are really helpful over the long term, not just at first. You know, it's not like a quick fix. So it, it can take time for us to know its results, but those results kind of set us up for the rest of our lives. Um, just because we're armed with that knowledge, like you touched upon, we have that education. We know why things are happening. There's no more mystery. And if we ever experience that sleep disruption again in the future, we now have experience, you know, we know that we can get through it and we know all the stuff that is helpful and all the stuff that's not helpful. Um, and so I do often see clients that tell me that their biggest improvements occurred once we stopped working together and they're just like, they're just practicing this stuff by themselves. Um, and they notice that they continue to enjoy improvements and then maybe there's some sleep disruption. There's some ups and downs because we all have difficult nights from time to time but we know exactly how to respond now, you know? So the way we respond is completely different and our response is often a lot more constructive by this point. So like you touched upon earlier, those difficult nights don't have to mean that this is gonna stick around for weeks, months, years. Now we might be in a place where we recognize, okay, I had a difficult night. 
that doesn't have to mean that insomnia is back and I'm going to be struggling again because I'm oh. just in a whole different place now. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. And one thing I was going to say, um, that was pretty significant for me because, you know, when, when I was working with you, um, I was still taking the, uh, medication, you know, and, um, by the end of the course, you know, I realized I didn't need it anymore. So, um, yeah, that was, that was kind of like a big step for me. Cause I, I mean, back then I was, you know, I had this, like, it was probably more of just like a psychological dependency I had on, I was like, I got to take something, you know, I can't just go to bed without taking anything, you know? So getting over that was a really big deal for me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What, what was, what was your process with that? Did you just get to a point where you thought, I don't think I need this anymore? Or was it like a tapering off plan or like, what, what did you do? <laughs> yeah, I, um, I did. I, I got a, a pill cutter and like tapered off. I probably didn't need to, but I don't know. I, that's what I did, but it was really, yeah. I mean, it, once I decided to do that, I mean, I was off the, you know, like really quick, but I, I mean, it probably was all in my head anyway. I probably never needed that stuff in the first place. So I, you know, I kind of, I'm sure I could have stopped any time, but you know, I had that idea in my head that I, oh, I got to take something. I can't just go to bed with it taking something that, you know, try and knock myself out or something. So that, that was really, you know, big thing for me. When did you d engage in that process of just moving away from the medication? Was it whilst we were still working together or was it like when we were done working together and you just decided to make that change? It was right at the end of the, mm. of the course. Sometimes I have people that feel like they have to choose. Do I engage in behavior change um, and exploring all this relationship with everything that's going on inside me? Or do I do the medication? Which, how do I choose which one? But the yeah. truth is, you know, we don't have to choose. We can do both at the same time if that's what we feel comfortable with. I've had clients that, like yourself, they're, they're on the medication whilst we're working together and then they make a decision at some point to move away and that's fine. I have other clients that stop immediately, you know, in, in, after talking to their doctor, they, they stop or they taper before or during when we're working together. It really doesn't make a difference. It's not an either or choice we have to make. I think there's value in learning these skills um, regardless of whether we're taking medication or not. And then the medication is something that clients can explore themselves whenever they feel ready to do so just like you did yeah yeah i i remember like before i started the course i remember thinking that i was gonna have to uh, you know i was a little hesitant and i was like oh i'm probably gonna have to give up my my sleep meds and i was like oh, feeling anxious about that but then i remember you saying like oh it's, it's just something you take every night then you can just keep doing that and, you know it doesn't matter but um yeah but that was <laughs> that was a big deal because uh yeah i didn't want to be you know be on uh pills for the rest of my life you know in this year and a half that you've kind of been on your own uh, so to speak i'm guessing that you've had some difficult nights um every now <laughs> and then what's your reaction now to when you have a difficult night and how has that changed compared to the past? 
oh yeah, I just don't worry about it. You know? I mean, I understand that it's normal and it's not a big deal. So I just, uh, I just go on with my day and don't let it bother me. And then, you know, next night I bounce right back. It's no problem. The reason I like asking about that is because we have to be realistic that there are still going to be some difficult nights from time to time, right? Because as human beings, we're going to have difficult nights from time to time. There's nothing we can do about that. No one has yeah. a great night of sleep every single night. Um, right. But I think the change is we become more resilient to, to it when it happens. Like you, we just... And like you said, that response is different now, you know, instead of it generating the, all these really difficult thoughts and feelings and emotions and maybe influencing our behaviors in a way that's not going to help us live the kind of life we want to live. Now we're just kind of more accepting that we had a difficult night. We can't control sleep. Maybe there is a return of some difficult thoughts, some difficult feelings, some difficult emotions there. But now we've got that resilience to more flexibly respond to, to them. You know, we realize that we've got options in how we respond to them. Um, yeah. and we can respond in ways that are helpful and we can respond in ways that are less helpful. And often the brain screams at us to do the less helpful stuff. Um, but if we can just take a step back, you know, pause for a second, we always get to decide how we respond. And really it is like you've been talking about, it's our response. Um, that really determines how how tangled up or not we might get in that struggle. Yeah, yeah. That's funny because there's, um, you know, after I, you know, completed the course, I mean, I remember there was, there was a lot of nights where I, you know, still had some of that worry, you know, like, oh, I wonder if I'm going to, you know, be able to sleep tonight or something, you know, but, but then I still slept, you know, even if, even though I was like, had some of that worry. Um, and then, you know, over time, it you know, became less and less. But yeah, now it's just, I just don't worry about it. It's no big deal. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's a great point that you made this. We can still feel that worry um, or anxiety or whatever, um, but we can still sleep you know that doesn't have to be a barrier to sleep i think what the real barrier to sleep often is is our natural human desire not to experience worry anxiety and all those difficult emotions because they don't feel good right so when we feel them our natural inclination is to try and push them away um, or before we feel them we want to avoid them so we're just doing all we can to try and get rid of it. Um, right. And I think that's what the real struggle is when we get engaged in that battle. You know, that's what really can make sleep more difficult. It's not necessarily their presence, but it's our struggle with them. All right, Eric, um, I'm really grateful for, for the time you've taken out of your day to come onto the podcast. But I do have one last question for you, um, mm -hmm. and it's this. If someone with chronic insomnia is listening, and they feel as though they've tried everything, that they're beyond help, that they just can't do anything to improve their sleep, what would you tell them? Here's the thing, like, I feel like I had it as bad as anybody could possibly have it. I mean, my level of sleep-related worry and anxiety and everything was, I mean, it was just ridiculous. So <clears throat> it 
if somebody who was like as screwed up as I was can recover, I mean, like really recover, then I mean, it, it seems like there's got to be hope for anybody, right? <laughs> I mean, if I can do it, I, I think anybody can do it. That's great. All right. Well, Eric, again, thanks again for taking the time out for your day to come onto the podcast. Really appreciate it. Yeah. And, you know, thanks for all your help. Really, uh, really means a lot to me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Insomnia Coach podcast. If you're ready to move away from struggling with insomnia and toward living the life you want to live, I would love to help. You can get started right now by enrolling in my online course or you can book my phone coaching package. My online course runs for six weeks. It will help you make changes that can create better conditions for sleep. It will help you identify and get rid of any behaviors that might be making sleep more difficult and it will help you respond to insomnia and all the difficult thoughts and feelings that come with it in a more workable way. You can work through the course in two ways. You can choose the self-coaching option and work through it by yourself with the support of an online forum that is available only to clients. Or you can choose to add one-on-one email coaching and work through the course with me by your side. With the one-on-one coaching option, you get unlimited email access to me for eight weeks, starting from the day you enroll. Anytime you have a question or concern, anytime you're unsure about anything, anytime you want to focus on the challenges you face or any difficulties that show up, you can email me and I will be there to coach and support you. With the phone coaching package, we start with a one hour call, voice only or video, your choice, and come up with an initial two week plan that will help you create better conditions for sleep and practice moving away from struggling with insomnia and all the difficult thoughts and feelings that come with it. You get unlimited email access to me for two weeks after the call and a half hour follow-up call at the end of the two weeks. You can book the phone coaching package at insomniacoach.com forward slash phone. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Insomnia Coach podcast. I'm Martin Reed, and as always, I'd like to leave you with this important reminder. You can sleep.